you know, go to a place like First Peter 2, um, mm. where Peter points us to Jesus, who was mistreated and falsely condemned. And Peter says, he set you an example so that you can follow in his steps. When he was reviled, he did not threaten. Uh, when he suffered, he did not revile in return. Um, but instead he entrusted himself to God who judges justly. Mm, and so we, we have our solution there. So, so maybe you have been mistreated. Maybe your rights have been violated. Follow the example of Christ who entrusted himself to God who judges justly. You're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast devoted to equipping the members of Emmaus Road Church to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ in the city of Sioux Falls. The people of Emmaus Road are committed to regular rhythms of gathering and scattering. We gather corporately in worship on Sunday mornings. We gather in missional communities and discipleship huddles, and we scatter throughout our city where we want to give every resident of Sioux Falls repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hello, everybody, and you're listening to another episode of Make and Multiply. My name is Matt Groon, and I am one of the pastors at Emmaus Road Church, and I'm joined with Ryan Chase, another pastor, and Caleb Durnberger, a pastoral resident at Emmaus. And uh, this week, we're going to try and try something a little different, something not different, but but new. Uh, we would like to to serve the people of Emmaus Road Church. Uh, would like to add in a rotation of uh, we're we're just calling them counseling topics. Um, and we were just talking before the mics turned on, Ryan. Um, what do we mean by that? Why are we discussing things in counseling? Is it because everybody needs therapy or counseling or or what do we mean when we say counseling? I think I mentioned this on another episode that we did on biblical counseling that a a friend of mine said once, you know, what we call counseling really, um, biblically, we're just talking about discipleship. And we, we realize that every one of us as followers of Christ, we are disciples. And Mm -hmm. so we are growing, uh, in Christ likeness, our own journey of sanctification is God makes us by his grace more and more like Christ Jesus. So, you know, think of a passage like Ephesians four, where Paul says, um, talking about the way that you learned Christ to put off the old self, which is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, which is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and Mm -hmm. holiness. And so, uh, what the world calls counseling, uh, or therapy, really, we're just talking about becoming more and more like Christ in our actual lives. And uh, biblically, we can connect that to the idea of counsel because scripture is full of counsel for us. Um, God's word, truth that that makes wise the simple and instructs us in the way that we should go. Unlike the world's counsel, where oftentimes it's just kind of suggestions or a listening ear, uh, God's word actually exhorts us, Mm. corrects us, rebukes us, instructs us, commands us, uh, encourages us. Mm. And so God's word is full of uh, really the the most helpful counsel, the, the, the counsel that we most need. And so when we think about counseling topics, really we're just thinking about, um, real life areas where real life disciples of Jesus struggle, Mm. where there's remaining sin, um, that comes out in our actions, in our words, in our attitudes and emotions. And, um, 
and, and it's a problem because it's sin, yeah. but God's word addresses that. And he, God has provided for us a savior in Christ Jesus so that we can actually be changed in those areas and address those areas. And so the other way that we talk about this within our church, um, you know, we use the language of gospel fluency or the centrality of the gospel or the functional centrality of the gospel. Mm. We just want to apply the gospel to our actual lives. Yeah. And so what are those real life issues that we struggle with and how does the gospel apply to those? Yeah. That's good. Might, you might say mm-hmm. counseling and or therapy in the traditional sense. Often people are coming because they feel a certain way or feel bad. They're really just looking for, um, yeah. And there are, of course, there are circumstances where where counseling, if you will, is needed or counsel is needed because of nefarious actors around you, a circumstance you didn't you didn't invite, where you really are kind of a victim. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the, what's unique about biblical counseling is it addresses. What it calls sin, sin, and addresses where I'm responsible for it. And that's why it's so um, applicable to all situations because I sin right. <laughs> and I need discipleship and I need uh, counsel. And the good news that biblical counseling offers, because it offers Christ in the scriptures, is that there is actual change that could take place. Right. Not just you might feel better after this session, but there's actual hope that I can actually change. Yeah. Yeah. The aim is not merely to feel better. The ultimate goal is to glorify God, to know him more, to honor him in our lives by trusting him and obeying him. Um, uh, Somebody has used the three categories, the helpful alliteration, um, sinner, sufferer, and saint. Hmm. And that as Christians, we are some combination of all all three of those things. We, We are sinners. We are responsible for our own sinful responses in life. Um, we are sufferers because we suffer the sin of others against us as well as, you know, just circumstances and tragedies and challenges, trials of various kinds, like James calls them. Um, but then saints, because we're, we're in Christ united to him and being sanctified in Christ. And so at at all times, you know, in gospel community, we are relating to each other. We just, you can know that off the bat before you know anything Mm -hmm. else about a person that that person, if they're in Christ, they are a sinner, a sufferer, and a saint. And yeah. so uh, God's word addresses us in all of those those categories. Coupled with our gospel fluency and our gospel community, the aim of talking about these topics here is that uh, to, to help equip the people of Emmaus Road Church to counsel one another, yeah. um, to disciple one another, to preach the gospel to one another, to learn to, um, to, to speak that language, to learn to, uh, yeah, like instrument, uh, that book by Paul Tripp, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. Right. In gospel community, God is using, you don't need to have a counseling degree. Um, certainly, you know, there are situations, and that's why we're talking about them, is where people come into the counseling office. Ryan, you have a, you're well-trained in biblical counseling and are a certified biblical counselor. So there are more acute, intense situations. But the goal of this is more to help the people of Emmaus Road Church develop that skill of 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 loving one another through gospel that's proclamation right. in all these things, because our topic today, anger, I think that's, you know, that's widespread. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are all tempted to this every day. Um, especially if you have little kids, <laughs> you're all, te- we're all tempted to this in all of life circumstances. So to be able to, uh, to recognize that weed when it pops up in ourselves and in each other, to know that there. are that it has been dealt with and there is hope and a fix, if you will, um, and that we can actually, through Christ, put that sin to death and, right. and change. Hmm. So with that intro, we're going to dive into the counseling topic of anger. And as I said before, that's a really broad 
category. Yeah, it is. So maybe, Ryan, just to kick us off, I'm going to ask you two questions. One, can you define anger mm. for us? And then secondly, uh, what are some situations, some, some more common situations? You know, obviously, we're not being specific here about specific people, but just common situations where people are tempted toward anger, if you will, if you can. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, I, I know those two big ones. Yeah. Yeah. As far as a definition, uh, anger is an intense feeling of strong displeasure that inclines us to act in judgment toward someone or something toward which we, we feel displeasure. Uh, Robert Jones, I think, gives a helpful definition of anger as our whole person active response of negative moral judgment against some perceived evil. Mm -hmm. And so I think a a key part of that definition is there is some perception that something is wrong. Uh, Mm -hmm. Somebody has wronged me. Somebody has violated my rights. um, Somebody is a a danger or a threat. And so I I like about that definition from Robert Jones, that whole person active response. You you know, we all know what it feels like to be angry. um, And it is kind of a whole person fight or flight kind of reaction that there's something is wrong and something needs to be done about that. And so, um, anger fills our whole body with this energy to do something about that problem. And oftentimes, um, that anger is then expressed Mm -hmm. that feeling of strong, you know, moral judgment moves us to act in judgment against whatever the threat is that's often expressed sinfully. Uh, but it's not anger is not necessarily sinful. Yes. And I think that's an important mm-hmm. distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, God mm-hmm. himself feels anger. We see that all throughout scripture passages like Psalm 7849. Um, I think it's Psalm 5 that talks about God feels uh, indignation every day. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. God himself feels and expresses anger, but he does so righteously, mm-hmm. justly. Uh, Jesus expressed anger in, in righteous ways. We see that in the gospels. Um, so, so there is such a thing as righteous anger, because again, if you're thinking categories of uh, a, a whole person response to some perception of evil, well, God is righteous, and so he accurately perceives evil, and he yeah. knows rightly what is right and wrong. Um, and his response to evil is always just and measured and yeah. fair. Although scripture also emphasizes that God is slow to anger. Mm-hmm. So he is incredibly patient yeah. and long-suffering, which is a big difference between God and how many of us are. We're often quick to become angry Mm -hmm. when James urges us, be quick to listen, Mm -hmm. slow to speak, slow to anger. So oftentimes our problem is just how quickly we we can go from zero to 60 in our response to some perceived problem, which again, another problem we have is we're often wrong in our perception. (laughs) We perceive something is wrong, (laughs) but but actually it's not a moral evil. It's more just like my kingdom, my rules have been violated, not yes. God's law. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, I think that's a huge category is often because I think the Bible describes anger, you know, it's not like you described. It's not always sinful. In fact, the command from Paul in Ephesians four twenty six is be angry and do not sin. Right. So there's a command. You can be angry, but there is a way to do it without sin. We know Jesus, everything you just said. Um, but that requires a moral standard being transgressed. Anger is only justified and righteous if there is an absolute moral standard being transgressed. Mm-hmm. I think if we're all honest with ourselves, most of the time when I'm angry, it's because, not because... Yeah, God's law has been yeah, violated. It, and I'm just so <laughs> mad that they would profane his name. No, I think what's the real anger is, 
I have set up some law that I've likely not even communicated to anybody right. and have become frustrated and leads to anger and resentment and eventually leads to bitterness. Uh, Jay Adams talks about anger. He says, anger is designed to tear apart or destroy people. Mm-hmm. Problems, not people, are to be destroyed by anger. Mm-hmm. So there is a way that, like, think of Jesus in the, in the temple where he was flipping over tables. There was anger being unleashed, mm-hmm. but it was at the problem that was taking place and was dealing with the problem and getting the people out of there to to, to remove the problem. Um, Anger, when it's unleashed, has a way of... is aimed at people, Mm -hmm. not at the Mm -hmm. problem that's being presented. Mm -hmm. So, uh, any other situation? I mean, that's a helpful definition. That's helpful to... I mean, it's important to think through it because if we just say carte blanche, all anger, anytime you feel your heart rate rise... It's sin, repent. Yeah. That could put a law that the Bible doesn't put on us. So it's helpful to make those distinctions. Right. But what other situations might arise where there is sinful anger? Yeah, well, a- anything <laughs> can be a, <laughs> a potential trigger for anger. But I think common situations have to do with um, y- you know, stuff within the home. So mm-hmm. anger between husband and wife, um, anger parents toward children, mm-hmm. uh, children towards parents mm-hmm. as well, just home stuff. And oftentimes we are able to kind of um, measure our responses or our behavior when we're in front of other people yeah. because we really care about their perception. And, and then it's behind closed doors in our own homes where mm-hmm. we act differently and feel more free to, mm. you know, lash out, lash yeah. out or whatever. Um, which is really tragic when, when we think about it because those are the people supposedly we, we love more than yeah. any other people in the world. And, and yet what we're communicating is we, we care the least about what they think yes. um, or how we treat them. We treat them in ways you know, we wouldn't think of treating somebody else in, in the church or at your place of work. Um, I, I think other common situations, you know, we can make jokes about road rage, but driving is a mm. common situation mm. where, where people, um, you know, angry responses can be really, really common and, and frequent people experience. And it kind of, if, if you start to notice it, realize, wow, I'm, I'm really angry <laughs> when I drive. Um, I think sports and competition is another area, just how we respond in losses or failures. Um, so that, that can bring out it's interesting. There, Angry there, responses. There's like a common thread to some of the things you're describing. Like, so take road rage, take uh, uh, like a spectator at a sports game, and take like online debates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do all those have in common? There's distance between you and and some sort of anonymity between you and the object of your anger. Mm-hmm. So there's a freedom felt to just say whatever you want to sure. say. Yep. Uh, Whereas, as you, as you were saying before, like when we're face to face with somebody and I'm angry, I'm much more likely to save my own face and mm-hmm. just sweep it under the rug. And, and but even that, there's a danger in that um, anger that's not dealt with, right? Anger that isn't expressed non sinfully, whatever anger that isn't expressed in a in a godly way, will inevitably be just buried down into bitterness and resentment. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and that just can have such um, while the emotion, the the high heart rate and high blood pressure of yeah. like the white hot rage that happens, while that might die down, that can have like generational mm-hmm. effect where estrangement from family, mm-hmm. from one offense that took place that oh, yeah. it was never dealt with, yep. um, or 
an anger towards another family member that leads to separation that all of a sudden years down the road, their, their kids never even meet their cousins or, or something like that. There's, there's generational resentment can just go f- for a long time and yep. without being dealt with. And I think honestly, if I'm honest with myself, that's where I'm like, Oh, well, I might have some, <laughs> I might have some anger or resentment. I haven't dealt with or right. that I'm harboring. Um, and, the, the command from Paul is, you know, be angry, but do not sin. And I just, I don't think that might, that might not be true of me. And that command goes on, do not let the sun go down on your anger yeah. and give no opportunity to the devil. And I think if we're, again, if we're honest, it's, oh, I've let a lot of suns go down yeah, on yeah. my anger. Many and moons. Ever, that's right. <laughs> and not ever dealt with it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It points to a, a, really that deep, <clears throat> that deep rooted self-reliance and self-righteousness that we all struggle with too, yeah. to Ryan's point of, why is it in the home that we most frequently exercise anger? It's because we feel most at home, at home. Mm-hmm. We feel most comfortable. And I think one of the, the downfalls of our sin is that we sometimes look at our, we, we, you know, we operate in like, this is the way that I am. This is, this is, this is the way that it will always be. Uh, we don't take seriously the, what well, we tend to underestimate the grace and the gospel to transform us right. into Christ likeness. Like I'm just an angry person. I'll always struggle with that. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no way out. So therefore I'm going to just, you know, there it is again. It's because I am who I am. It's not. And it's, you know, when, when Paul's talking to the church in Corinth, he's saying, you know, he's listing all these things, these sins, these ways of right unrighteousness that they once. And he says, "As were, as were some of you, like you right. were some of these things, but you've been washed and sanctified yeah, in Christ." Yeah. So, um, I, I think that's just, and, and that's maybe further down the road of what we're talking about. But I think to that point, we just tend to live in light of that identity of this is just who I am, rather than I am in Christ, and right. the gospel is the power to transform me. Uh, God promises and provides transformative power in the gospel. Um, So we don't actually need to be that way forever. Change is possible. Um, Yes, that's tremendously hopeful. Yes. You have so much hope that rather than taking that as an identity, you know, well, this is just who I am. This is the way that it is. No, I've I've grown comfortable um, and formed sinful habits of responding Mm-hmm. sinfully, poorly yeah. to things in life. Um, I, I think on the other hand, some people might think, be tempted to think that way. I'm just an angry person. This is how I am. Mm-hmm. They, they know they would call themselves that. Others of us might think, well, I'm, I'm not an angry person. Uh, <laughs> but sometimes, you know, my kids really get on my nerves. Like the blame is shifted. Yeah, I, I am fine. It's these unruly kids or it's, you know my wife or it's my boss or, you know, the blame is placed to somebody else. Like I'm going along just minding my own business and I'm a, I'm a great person, but other people really get on my nerves and, um, or when I'm tired or hungry or, you know, which those are real factors that can contribute to Mm. a a short fuse. But, um, yeah. So I think potential for people to fall in either of those categories. Mm -hmm. And the reality is because we all, we live in a sinful world and we are all sinned against. Mm-hmm. We all deal with this. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a universal thing. Mm-hmm. How do we respond when we have actually been sinned against or we think we've been sinned against? Yeah. yeah. And that's, I mean, that really is inevitable in this fallen world, as you said. And, and Caleb, as you were saying, 
there is a, 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 a sense of, and such were some of you, meaning I was that way. So what's, what's changed? And it's just what we're talking about here. I think it all boils down to that fruit of the spirit of self-control. Right. Of, am I able to, when, when that comes out, when that starts to come up, am I able to govern myself to be able to deal with anger in a godly way? express it in godly ways and put to death that which is earthly in me by by recognizing the the anger that's arising is is a sinful thing yep. um, but as as we as we know which is the basis of all of discipleship and, and really all counseling is that that's a supernatural work of God right um, self-government self-control cannot happen apart from the spirit that's yeah. why it's a fruit of the spirit mm-hmm. I will not produce self-control I might be able to Put on. I'd be, I'd be able to control my anger in certain situations, mm-hmm. right? I, you, you brought up that from that Adam's article in your your sermon a few weeks ago on um, on the sixth commandment of well, I just can't control myself. Well, that's not true mm-hmm. because we've all been in that situation where the house is on fire, kids are running around, you're screaming, you're you're expressing your anger yeah. everywhere. <laughs> somebody calls, Giving or somebody full vent, yeah, or the mailman is delivering a package or yeah. whatever, and you just open the door and they're just like able to shut it down. Oh, hello, Mr. Uh, Jones. <laughs> and, oh, sorry, my kids are all being rowdy yeah. in the back <laughs> as if they're the problem again. But it, it, so right there, you've controlled yes. your anger. The yes. question isn't, are you able to? It's in what circumstances. And mm. the, the the ability to control our ang- anger in a godly way is dependent mm. on a supernatural work of the Spirit. Yes. Now, that doesn't get us off the hook. Like, oh, it's, this is all, okay, this is God's fault. He hasn't given me enough of the spirit nope, to have self-control. Right. No, because we know, because the commands from Paul are the commands to put off the old man and mm-hmm. put on the new. Uh, like he says to the Philippians, work out your salvation with right. fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, right. um, both the will and to work for your, for your good. So there is, a just we just need to recognize that we are, we cannot do this apart from Christ. Mm-hmm. You, we will not be able to control our anger, be able to control ourselves in any emotion right. without the supernatural work of God through his spirit, which, good news, has been accomplished in Christ and has been poured out now among his yeah. people. Mm-hmm. That's why Paul can say, such were some of you. Right. Yeah. And now there's a new, you have a new status. So, so work out that, take control of your heart. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so I think it starts there with first admitting my anger is my problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's good. my sin. And God has made provision for me so that in Christ, he supplies me with his grace. Mm. He gives me his spirit. His spirit produces the fruit of self-control. So I, I need to do something about this. And I think we, we kind of short circuit that and experience very little progress or fruit when we think something like, well, I've, I've prayed and asked God to take away my anger or make me a more patient person. And it hasn't happened. And so like, we just kind of say, well, I I prayed and I keep asking God for the anger to go away. Um, and I think, you know, the question would be, okay, praying is right. Cry out to God, Mm -hmm. admit to God, confess your sin to him, ask him for help. And then what, then what do you do? Because the way his grace comes to us is not just kind of this, I throw up a prayer and say, fix it. Mm. And then magically I walk out the door and no more anger. The way that God's grace comes to us is through his word. And his word is full of wisdom and counsel and instruction. And as you open that up and you say, all right, my anger is my problem and God's word addresses this. And I I actually need to put some effort into opening up his word to understand biblically my heart and my circumstances and to see these things God's way. There's just so much wisdom there. Like 
scripture speaks of anger like a fire. Hmm. That, that's helpful to me to, to think in biblical terms about anger. It, it's kindled like a fire, Genesis 39. It burns, it, it's hot, it can be fierce. Yeah. And you think, well, that, that makes sense. Like that's what we talk about, you know, blowing up, exploding in rage, you know, kind of like a, a volcano. Um, and, and then when you turn to the Proverbs, again, there, there's a lot of hope in this. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to his spirit. Hmm but a wise man quietly holds it back. Hmm. So there, that, that places the difference in wisdom and folly. When I blow up and give full vent to my spirit, I am, I am a fool. I'm acting in foolish ways. Hmm. So what I need is wisdom. What wisdom can I get from God's word that would make me a wise man who knows how to quietly hold it back rather than just giving full vent yeah. to that. Proverbs 19.11 says, good sense makes one slow to anger. Right. Okay, so it's not just like a magic button you hit that suddenly you're slow to anger. Good sense is what will make you slow to anger. Mm. Where do you get good sense? From God's word. That, that's where you get perspective on mm. your circumstances to, to think about yourself and your situation and your kids or your boss or whatever rightly. Um, and it is his glory, that verse goes on to say, it is his glory to overlook an offense. Yeah. So it, it, there, there's just this, again, hope because all of Proverbs is holding out to people, you know, fools come and learn wisdom. You, <laughs> you can gain this by the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So, so that's where you start. Um, Proverbs 14, 29, whoever's slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Yeah. Um, th- those are motivating passages to me. <laughs> when I meditate on those, I dwell on those and think, oh God, uh, I want... Wisdom. I want the wisdom of being able to mm. calm my own spirit and rein it in, and and not just vent this emotion, but release it under control in godly ways yeah. to address whatever problem is there. Yeah, that, that, that former that you're talking about of of just you know praying and waiting, like all right, nothing's happening. I'm waiting. It's kind of like the picture I get is. It's like drinking a protein shake every day, but never exercising yes, or never doing great. anything. It's just like. Okay, Wait, but what? I'm still that, not fit. I'm, oh, is that what you no, do? Yeah, what are you trying to say? It doesn't work? No, there's... It, I take my really, vitamins, I do my protein shake, and I have... Where are the muscles? This is... Yeah, <laughs> I paid for this. It's so helpful to know that God prescribes so many different means for us to, yes. to trust and obey him and say, like, okay, all right, now I need to step forward and do this, and now I need to do this. And part of that is is just keeping watch over our own selves and knowing our own selves. Since anger is this, you know, passionately pursuing a misplaced desire. Mm-hmm. I need to know what do I desire? That's right. James four is so helpful. Yes. We always go here. It's like what causes quarrels and it's divisions, the heart. fights among you. It says, well, it's your desires. And so a question to ask is what, and, and again, we've sim- there are desires that are not wrong and sinful, but asking that question, where has a simple desire become an idolatrous one? One that I'm willing to fight over and kill over and murder over. Um, and a lot of those questions, especially when anger is expressed, the focus is oftentimes on another person or a, another avenue. But really the question is, the primary heart to focus on right now is is my own. Hmm. Um, Deuteronomy 6.6 6 highlights the importance of, of God's commands, like Ryan's talking about being in our hearts first. He's, it says, this is five and six, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So the, the primary question in Deuteronomy 6.6 6 is, what do you, what do you love? Um, yeah. And I think um, one, one, when we're getting to this counseling 
uh, dynamic of discipling one another. That's why we have discipleship huddles in which we are able to be in community and hear and see one another much Mm -hmm. in in order to know what do we love? What do you love this week? Um, I mean, when we're trying to kill anger or be (laughs) tenderhearted and kind people, something we need to remember is also is just involve others who can help us discern more accurately what, what what's in our hearts. So our spouses, our huddles, um, other people in the church, I mean, even, even our children, I think to some extent are able to help us. Um, and so God gives grace to the humble. Yeah. And so um, trusting his word and welcoming others to help in those, in those ways of identifying what do we love? What's in our hearts today? Mm. What has become, what has turned, mm. uh, what right. has become a misplaced desire? I, yeah. And I think it's important for us to highlight now and in, in, as we've been talking through this, and that this doesn't just apply to anger, but to all discipleship is, um, it does us no good to take an antinomian approach of, well, you, you know, you walk in the room and, and the counselor says, I must do these things. I must have self-control. I must put off the old man and uh, take on the new. Uh, if, if all of our responses, well, that sounds like work. And I was saved not by, I would say by, not by my works, but by grace. How can you ask me and actually command me to do such a thing is missing the point of the gospel mm. logic. It's missing the point that's taking place of, of the whole, not just the old Testament, but all of the new Testament understanding John in first John, if you love me with you know, this desire, this emotion, yeah. this, um, this expression of love, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's he's riffing on Jesus, what Jesus said in his presence, then repeating it in his letter in first John, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So actually our beliefs, our desires, our loves, and this is just so true in our emotions, right? Yeah. All of it comes out of our fingertips. Anger is an expression. A- anger comes out. It has to. Mm-hmm. All of our emotions eventually come out and that, leads to those misplaced desires of, of able to recognize my desires are out of line here. Mm. So by, by calling one another to repentance and faith to, to stop doing this and turn to this, while our culture is very antinomian by no law, well, you can't ask me to, that, that, that's, that's, that's work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's missing all that gospel logic of, no, we, we are called to do things by, but it's all based on and grounded in the person work of That's Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, we are now able to yeah. not sin. Yes. Mm-hmm. Titus two eleven, the same grace that saves us is the grace that also trains us to put off worldly passions and ungodliness and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. Mm. Um, and the new Testament is full of commands to put to death what's earthly in you. Mm-hmm. And then it lists specific sins, including anger and fits of rage. Mm-hmm. And James commands us to be slow to anger. And so we know this is God's will for us in our sanctification to give attention to this. And so, um, we just have strong motivation, tons of hope in yeah. Christ mm-hmm. that it's actually possible no matter yeah. how long standing sinful habits of responses, angry responses have, have existed in your life. Um, in Christ, it's possible to, to learn newness, uh, new, mm. new habits, and, and to walk in those ways by God's grace. And, and I think, again, God's word informs us specifically. When, when you make those connections, like, okay, Caleb, you were talking about James 4, gets to the heart and shows at the root of fights and quarrels and angry outbursts is 
idolatrous, idolatrous desires. Um, well, I have to reflect, and that takes some time to stop and think. Mm-hmm. In the moments that I'm most likely to react in anger, and you probably can think of what those are for you personally, um, what am I wanting the most yeah. right there? And, and oftentimes it's something that's not necessarily in and of itself wrong. Like, I just want my kids to obey. And when they don't, I just lose it. I can't stand it. Okay, well, the desire for them to obey is not wrong, but wanting it so badly that you start acting, you start disobeying God when they disobey you, that's problematic. Mm -hmm. So deal with that desire there. Okay, I I want them to obey, but what I have to want the most is I have to want to please God, Mm. even when they're disobeying, because I'm... I'm willing to disobey God when they're disobeying me. That That's all out of order. Yeah. Um, so when you get down to that level, I think another thing that's helpful to reflect on in addition to what am I wanting the most in those situations is to think about if, if anger is the sense that somebody has violated my rights, they've wronged me, what rights do I believe I have that mm-hmm. have been mm-hmm. violated here? Um, you know, it could be, again, with children, the right to be obeyed or, you know, a relationship, uh, the right to be loved or respected or appreciated or yeah. whatever. Where um, those come from? <laughs> at your place of work, yeah. yeah. The, the right to be promoted or, again, appreciated or compensated for the value you provide the company. You, anytime you feel like a right has been violated, you are going to be tempted to react in anger. And so if you can stop and think, well, wh- what right do I think I have here? And then you look to Christ and you, you see the example of one who gave up his rights. He mm. laid down his life and, and you resolve by God's grace to trust, okay, God, I, I can entrust myself to you. So I think, you know, go to a place like First Peter 2, um, mm. where Peter points us to Jesus who was mistreated and falsely condemned. And Peter says, he set you an example so that you can follow in his steps. When he was reviled, he did not threaten. Uh, when he suffered, he did not revile in return. Um, but instead, he entrusted himself to God who judges justly. Mm, and so we, we have great. our solution there. So, so maybe you have been mistreated. Maybe your rights have been violated. Follow the example of Christ who entrusted himself to God who judges justly. And as you entrust yourself to God, you don't have to take matters into your your own hands sinfully to try to make sure that your, your rights are fulfilled. I think mm, anger yeah. also comes up a lot. Go, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, if I could add to that yeah. list, because I'm sure th- there's maybe people listening who are like me who just struggle so much with anger. Um, I feel like I'm confessing anger to the guys in my huddle like <laughs> every single week. And, um, and 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 it's easy for us to think like, man, this is just going to be forever. And maybe, I mean, maybe it'll be for a long, long time. Um, but you're thinking, where do I even start with right. this? You know? I'm taking the protein, but you know, do I start out with a mile then, or even half a mile, or what do we do? Yeah, <laughs> of course, it makes no sense. One one pull up today, and then <laughs> what do we right. go from there? Um, but just some really to. small, just some small, a uh, couple small things that I think if you if you're just like, where do I start? First, um, I would just say, take captive those thoughts as soon as you find them entering your mind, thinking like, because because anger is so it's it is. In our hearts, it's it's desires, it's passion. It's like, yep. how can I even steer this? Happens quick. Happens quick. Oh, yeah. Take take captive that thought immediately when you identify that thinking. Well, this is just the way it's going to have to go because it always goes this way. Um, change is. Po- I mean, when there's a com- the command in Ephesians four thirty one, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. There's that command. Mm-hmm. So you're confronted with it. All right. 
I should, but how? Well, it says next, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. That seemingly impossible thing has happened, that God in Christ has forgiven you of all your sins, your insurmountable sins that were against him. All your sins finally have been forgiven in Christ. If that has happened, if that's been made possible, then yes, you, there is po- there's a possibility right now that you can take captive yeah, that, right. that. So just make that switch in your mind first. Um, and then uh, secondly, I would just say an angry person is a self-reliant person, right. uh, a self-righteous person. It, when I am angry, I am contending for supremacy with God. Mm-hmm. So what I want to cultivate in my life rather than self-sufficiency and self-reliance is dependence and trust in God. Yeah. I want to trust in God with all my ways. That's it. Um, I want to rely upon him. You know, when I start my day, God, you are my refuge, my strength, my song. I have nothing apart from you. Start there um, and cultivate that first mm-hmm. so that anger might be diminished more in your life. Yeah. The wisdom of that, of again, like we're saying, not just praying God, magically take away this anger, but putting on specific thoughts from God's word, passages of scripture, promises, commands that inform how we think, that reframes how you see and perceive Mm. your your situation. So anger is also really common when we feel out of control. Um, So again, traffic jams, you can't do anything about it. This anger comes out, but it's kind of a futile anger because you you can't do anything about it. So oftentimes situations beyond our control or, you know, the home is a mess or the kids are crazy and it feels like you, you just blow up in anger quickly. Um, putting on a paradigm like that, God's word, God's perspective is God is sovereign. God is going to work all things for my good. So I'm seeing some situation, you know, a flat tire that could make somebody angry or mm-hmm. a, a car breaks down and some mechanic bill that you didn't anticipate and you react in anger to that. Or in those moments, what do we need to remember about God? that he's sovereign over these circumstances and that he intends to use those things to yes. sanctify yeah. us. And if you can, the, the the sooner you can put on that perspective, God is at work in this mm-hmm. for my good mm-hmm. rather than this is the worst, my life is over or I hate this or in you know, yeah. all of those things. Yeah. And, and you start to try to see it God's way and, and it, it, it takes faith. You have to trust because yes. I don't see in, in this mess how God could use this for my good, but his word tells me that he's at work in all things for my good. So if I trust that, that helps me then be at peace, exercise spirit-empowered self-control to calm my own spirit, my, my response to those circumstances. Um, so, so really, what we need is more of God's word informing our perspective on ourselves, our relationships, our forgiveness from God so that mm-hmm. we are quick to extend forgiveness to others when, when they wrong us. Um, so, I mean, all that's kind of high level, just truth mm. that is applicable to us yeah. in situations where we're, we're prone to anger. But yeah. I think the, the, the primary, um, you know, result of all this discussion of pray is that there's hope. Yeah. There is hope for change. That's um, right. There is, and there's hope and we have hope because all that we have and all that we, all, any good that comes from me does not come from my own merit, but from Christ and him crucified. So and he has been, and he didn't just, wasn't just uh, crucified on our head, but rose again in a, in a body to, um, to conquer death. And so there is actual accomplishment yeah. and there is hope in that. So uh, plenty more that could be said, um, more direct applications. But I think if these are, if these principles are, are 
um, believed and uh, held to by faith um, from the word, then these can, there's countless situations that these could get fleshed out in. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the beauty and messiness of living in gospel community is that uh, we have every, every week, every day opportunities to um, express joy and Mm. peace and patience and kindness and, and all the rest and self-control in our own circumstances. So till next time. Thanks for listening to Make and Multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles or missional communities or gospel fluency, you can reach out to your missional community leader. And if you're not yet plugged into gospel community at Emmaus Road, visit us online at EmmausRoadSF.com.